0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Holistic Healers and it is a new month and you know what that means. We have another Holistic Tips episode. So, if you have been here before and you're checking this out again, thank you so much for subscribing and following along. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying the episodes just as much as I am. Um, I think I'm learning so much, um, even outside of school, and I'm learning from all of you guys. I'm learning from all my guests. So thank you so much for your participation and um, tuning in each week and each month. Um, and if your new holistic tips is essentially, it's a little newer, but it's within my Holistic Healers podcast. And essentially what I do once a month, because I usually have on guests who share a lot of their expertise and you know their knowledge or people who have been through the healing journey themselves and want to give recommendations, Holistic Tips is my way of sharing kind of what I know and kind of pick my brain a little bit. Um, it's also a way for you guys to tell me some of the topics you guys are wanting to learn about um, that maybe a book or a podcast or even your own um, experience or work with your own own mental health professional um, maybe isn't covering enough or as well. So hopefully this can be a resource for you too. Uh, But this week, um, this month I should say, starting off May strong, I wanted to talk about this theory that I literally use every single day, or I think about every single day of my clinical work, whether that's working with clients, whether it's uh, in my own research, if it's me sitting in my class, I think about this theory nonstop. And obviously if you are listening to Holistic Healing um, or listening to Holistic Healers podcast and subscribing to the Holistic Healing Instagram page, there is this fundamental bio-psychosocial approach, meaning that everything really in our life is connected. Our genetics, our biology, you know, that nature kind of aspect. We have the social approach, right, of this is more nurture. This is how we grew up, our relationships with ourselves and our others and community, And psychology, right? How do we orient ourselves? How do we think? How do we feel? And how can we connect those? And how can we kind of align those to our most authentic kind of quote unquote self? How do we get there? Right? So everything is really all mixed together. And I think honestly, a lot of modern day psychology is about this dynamic of a biopsychosocial approach. But this theory that we're going to talk about today is called polyvagal theory. And I reference it almost all the time, every day. I've probably said it. Actually, I know I've said it before in a podcast with you guys. So you probably are like, okay, what is this theory? Because I've talked about it before. And if you haven't heard of it either, that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get into it. All right. So polyvagal theory, it was created by Dr. Stephen Porges. But if you are trying to orient yourself and try to understand your health and well-being, especially if you think psychology is a little abstract and it's like, how do we even do this? (laughs) What even is this kind of science? Um, I recommend looking into this because it highlights the importance of not only psych feelings and thoughts and the importance of safety and all this stuff, but also what is your body doing biologically something tangible, right? Something that's pretty evident or, you know, if you're paying attention or you're aware of it, we can really read our bodies and how we're feeling. Um, Or if you're just more oriented with a physical health mindset, you may really subscribe to this kind of um, lens. I know I do. Um, So polyvagal theory created by Dr. Stephen Porges. He outlines three different nervous systems, and we're going to go through kind of each of them briefly and kind of how it relates to body sensations. So maybe if you're not in tune with what nervous system you're in, what is your body saying to you? And then at the end, I'm going to give you a little, um, maybe some tips or some tricks, I guess, how to regulate so we can go back down to our safety zone our green zone. So let's first start. There's three different ones. There is this parasympathetic nervous system. It's broken into two different systems. There's the ventral vagal and there's the dorsal vagal. That's more of like our emergency state is I think he likes to put it. But there's two, it's kind of separated into two different parts. And so this ventral vagal, we'll start here first. It's usually considered like the green zone. This is kind of our safety zone, our green zone, our connection, our, you know, our present moment. We feel grounded, right? We're curious, we're open to new things because we're not really consumed or, you know, caught up in all the other things that are worrying us or maybe irritating us or um, maybe we've dissociated from, right? We are In the moment. And so, if I could say one thing about this, this is when we feel safe. This is when we feel secure. Maybe we're happy here. Who knows? But we are able to connect with others. And if you're looking for a more like kind of tangible piece to this, of like, okay, well, how do you know this? Um, Our autonomic nervous system is kind of what we're describing here. It is outlined in the body. And you can go to Google and really look at how this nervous system is spread um, throughout the body. But when we talk about the um, autonomic nervous system, specifically the uh, parasympathetic ventral vagals kind of nerve, this is everything that is within your eyesight, in your face, um, all the way kind of down to the top of your chest, kind of near your heart almost. In order, you know, when people talk about cultivating safety, there's a bunch of ways that we can do this. But because of this nerve kind of going through our body and being really compacted within the facial arena, I guess, the facial realm, ways to cultivate safety, eye contact, right? If you, I'm looking at like one of these diagrams on Google of it, eye contact, kind of facial expressions, right? What are other people saying to us? How are my eyes perceiving it? Um, how we're communicating right all these nerves are going through our vocal cords and our throat so all of these different things and there's a post about it too you can look at um all of these different things is how we cultivate safety how are we communicating with others are what's our body language like are we making eye contact are we not making eye contact um our pitch our tone right everything in between all these things can cultivate are you listening to me Are you in the moment with me? Are you not, right? Am I feeling grounded right now? Or are you kind of off somewhere else? And so this can be something that you kind of look out for in people. Um, It also can be a way of, are you present in the moment? Because if my eye contact, if my body language, if my, you know, my pitch, my tone, you know, whatever you want to call it, is not present, not grounded, we are probably not in this nervous system. And additional kind of biomarkers could be digestion, right? Is our appetite doing well? Are we interested in food? Um, I say that lightly, by the way, just for other reasons. But, you know, resistant to affections, right? We're not going to be able or we're not going to get sick as easy. Um, Immune response, right? We're going to be healthier. We're able to combat, you know, viruses and bacteria a little easier, We feel more restful or we're able to get restful sleep. We also have oxytocin that gets released, which is one of our happy hormones, our neurotransmitters. Um, this allows us to connect with others, right? There's so many different things that are happening, whether this is the feeling of joy, being in the present moment, feeling mindful, compassionate to the biomarkers of how you're actually behaving, how others are behaving to cultivate safety, or You know, what's my appetite look like? Am I getting sick? You know, what's happening? And this will kind of make more sense later as we move to the other two. Um, But just be mindful that this is the green zone. This is about safety. We're in good health and, you know, kind of all the other things we were talking about. So Dr. Porges then goes on to the sympathetic nervous system. And kind of the rest of this model talks about the flight, fight, and freeze response so within the sympathetic nervous system we are specifically talking about the flight fight response so when we talk about flight this is our impulse maybe to move away this is when we feel panic this is when we feel fear this is when we feel anxiety and worry and concern or this is fight. This is our movement towards, right? When we feel rageful, this is when we feel angry or irritated or frustrated, right? And I wanna note here and really emphasize the fact that all of these emotions and feelings I was just listing are normal emotions. So if you are someone that deals with anxiety, if you're someone that deals with worry, if you're someone that deals with maybe irritation and anger and frustration, just know these are normal human responses, right? Because if we didn't have them, we don't have these signals, right? Maybe we are virgin on a psychopath or, you know, sociopath, whatever you want to call it, who may not have these human responses that we need so that we can signal, you know, am I under a threat right now? Or is someone crossing a boundary? Because that's often why we have these emotions in the first place. It's to let us know that something feels off, um, something's going wrong, potentially, maybe it's not, we have overactive fight or flight responses, but I just wanna note here, I don't wanna go too far down this path because this could be a whole other episode, that these are normal responses. Now, with that being said, I want you to imagine that you are on a hike and you see a bear. I would not want you to be in the green zone, that social engagement, ventral vagal, parasympathetic part of the nervous system. I don't want you to feel in the present moment, to feel grounded, compassionate for this bear that's going to kill you maybe. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe it's nice. I don't know. But on this hike, we're not worrying about that. I want you to be in the flight or fight response, right? I want you to feel anxiety, worry, concern, panic, potentially, right? I want you to maybe feel angry or irritated and rageful that, you know, you stumbled across this bear if you do have to fight it because you can't escape, right? Now, I don't want you to fight a bear. (laughs) I, I hope that, you know, you can get to safety, but we need these emotions especially if we are under life threatening situations okay so it is very natural for our body to fluctuate between this parasympathetic nervous system the social engagement the green zone and the sympathetic nervous system where we feel this fight flight response right our blood pressure is going to go up we're going to have a faster heart rate um adrenaline's going to be pumping We need oxygen to be circulating to our vital organs in that moment. Um, And I don't want you to be worrying about if you're hungry or not, or your salivation or your immune response, right? I want you to be worrying about getting out and away from the threat. Okay. Now that we understand um, the sympathetic nervous system and its need, we need it. We don't want to get rid of either of these responses. In today's day and age, our nervous systems are now in more responsive, reactive states within this sympathetic nervous system probably than ever before. And I say that because the littlest things right now are triggering this sympathetic response, this fight-or-flight nervous system response. So maybe it's, like, and I'm going to say this with like, an email at work. Maybe you send an email to the wrong boss or to the wrong person, and maybe that brings up some anxiety. Or maybe it's posting something on Instagram, and you know something comes up for you, and, and now we feel angry. I don't know. Whatever the um, scenario is for you, there's a lot of things now in our day and age that are moving us into this fight-or-flight response that is not actually threatening to our body, right? It may feel like panic, it may feel like anxiety and worry, and maybe it is, right? Maybe we move into the sympathetic nervous system. However, whether it's these little, like, scenarios that I'm talking about, or it's a deeper-rooted trauma, or trauma happens to us, domestic violence, right? Uh, You know, anything... Anything that you can think of when it comes to trauma, right? We get stuck in the sympathetic nervous system. And especially for those like more minor um, scenarios that we do not have the coping mechanisms or the, we've never been taught how to regulate these worries or panics. We get stuck in our sympathetic nervous system and it keeps us in fight or fight mode. And so again, maybe it's this little situation or maybe it's a trauma response or maybe it's being in relationships that are so draining, right? We are putting forth all of this energy, all of this rage, all of this anxiety and fear and panic. And if you think about it, what's happening in our body, right? The constant heart rate, the constant high blood pressure, um, Fuel availability, right? Adrenaline is constantly being pumped. Our cortisol, our stress um, hormone, continuously being pumped like an IV through our bodies. This is going to deplete our bodies. It's going to deplete our energy levels. So when I'm working with clients and they're telling me that they deal with a lot of anxiety and stress and even negative self-talk and criticism or a lot of anger right or they're in a relationship right now that's constantly depleting their resources within the sympathetic nervous system i get concerned really that i really get concerned because i'm thinking about it through this lens of the polyvagal theory because it's gonna move them if they don't cope with it or process trauma if they even know they dealt with the trauma And if you've heard of the body keeps the score, right? Trauma impacts our bodies. It depletes our bodies and our functions. When this happens, our body feels the need to really to rest. And this, I think about it as constant stress, constant inflammation, constant oxidative stress. When this happens over time, our body moves into the freeze response. And maybe it's not, you know, even time, like a long duration of time. Like maybe it's happening almost instantaneously when we are dealing with like grief or when we're dealing with like a huge amount of stress all at once. Right. I think of like natural disasters, too. When this happens, I I think of the analogy of like when you're trying to download like a big file on your computer And when it's really, really large and you try to download it or your computer starts to work slower, it maybe freezes, right? And that's kind of where our body's headed. When we have overwhelming stress or long-term chronic oxidative stress and inflammation that's depleting our body, we move into this free zone and this is the second half of the parasympathetic nervous system and it's known as this emergency state. So kind of some symptoms of this is when we feel helpless, when we start to dissociate from our current reality, dissociation meaning maybe we're not really in the present moment, maybe this is being really, really forgetful, memory issues, depression, Depression, not necessarily, like, the diagnosis, potentially. Um, I mean, I would definitely think the major depressive disorder would be within this uh, nervous system state. But just depression in general, um, shame, shutting down, hopelessness, feeling trapped. And what their body is doing, it's not to, you know, say that we're preparing for death. And I know one of the models, I think, says, you know, maybe it is. Maybe it is preparing for death. But I think about it as your body needs to conserve energy. It's depleted all of its resources, all of its energy, all of its time, and now it's being kind of put to rest. This is when we feel really overwhelmed. And so what's happening in our body, right, we have a bunch of endorphins that start to be released. And this is one of the other happy hormones um, that helps us, you know, feel better this gets released to help kind of numb and kind of raise our window of tolerance, our, raise our pain threshold, right? All these endorphins start to be released so that it can help us kind of heal and recover and generate that energy that we, has been depleted for so long. So our heart rate decreases, our blood pressure decreases, our muscle tone, our temperature within our body our facial expressions, our social behavior, we feel more isolated, right? Our immune response decreases, so we're more likely to get sick, right? When we've depleted all of this energy, now we have so much inflammation and so much stress, right? We are going to see health symptoms start to get worse. So when i'm when i'm looking at clients when i'm working with clients and they're telling me about you know relationships and how depleting they are or how much they're worrying uh abuse kind of anything any trauma i think about it through this lens because if they have dealt with this non stop for so long i can only imagine that their body is creating a space to conserve energy it's moving into this freeze zone and they're gonna feel trapped they're gonna want to shut down and they're gonna want to dissociate really and they're gonna feel a lot of shame and especially you know when i think about grief too it's all this energy all at once got depleted just like that how do we move out of especially this blue zone this free zone how do we move out of that or how do we prevent and manage stress when we're in the sympathetic nervous system? How do we prevent inflammation? How do we prevent oxidative stress from forming to the point where now we're in this dorsal vagal zone, this emergency free state that's hard to get out of. And it's not to say they're going to you know, be out um, or never going to be out. It's just how do we prevent that where it's now we feel immobilized, right? We can't do anything. On one hand, we had the fighter flight. We were mobilizing. We were fighting the bear. We were running away from the bear, but now our body's collapsing. We're immobile. We can't do anything. We feel like we can't do anything. So even our language is changing now too. We move from, you know, I want to connect. I want to be open to, I can do this. I'm going to move. I'm going to fight. I'm going to do all these things to Oh, I can't do any of this, I, I I don't know what to do, I'm lost for words. And so this is the lens, like I keep reiterating, this is the lens I, I, it's like my Bible, like I don't even know how to describe it, it is literally the thing that I resonate with the most, and once I learned about it, I was like, this makes total sense. <laughs> and um, again, through the context of trauma, through the context of grief and healing grief, it's all about this and even relationship counseling, couples counseling. It's all about how do we cultivate dealing with stress, managing stress, communicating our needs so that we bring it back down to this green social engagement zone. So just starting to kind of wrap up here cause there's so much more that I could probably talk about with this cause it's so interesting to me as you can tell. <laughs> um, What are some things that you guys can do to take home with you to regulate stress, manage inflammation, um, manage oxidative stress, and move yourself out of this dissociative, freeze, shameful zone? Because no one wants to feel that way, right? And especially with the health implications that come with depleting energy levels, inflammation, and stress, right, we don't want to deal with all that. And so, if we can manage all this stuff, we're gonna have overall physically better health, mentally better health, emotionally better health. We're gonna connect with our partners, we're gonna connect with our friendships better, our work, you know, maybe a little better, who knows. But so much of your life will get better once you understand this model and understand the coping mechanisms for each zone. So, if we're in this red zone, the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight, this panic, this rage. Again, we're not trying to get rid of emotions. This is helpful emotions that we actually want to keep. We need them because they signal to us when boundaries are being crossed, when maybe something familiar we've experienced is causing us anxiety or concern again. But when it becomes too excessive, how do we manage it? So for this red zone, uh, the The first thing I would say is anything mindfulness related. So whether this is yoga, whether this is journaling, I would really want to highlight journaling here, Um, practicing gratitude, you know, looking at the lens of, you know, what can I learn from this situation? What is my body telling me? Um, Really any kind of mindfulness strategy you want to think about is really useful here. Um, The other thing, Kind of also related to mindfulness is breathing techniques. If I could recommend one, it's breathing techniques is one of the main things to help you move out of the sympathetic and into the social engagement. We have a lot of bodily autonomy when it comes to our breathing if we know how to harness it, right? And I just did an episode listing all the different uh, or some of the breathing techniques you guys can be using um but for me in that episode specifically the 478 is probably one of my favorites i can be a little impatient in times if you know me um so <laughs> something that's quick and fast but i can really feel that difference from the sympathetic and into the social engagement green zone you breathe in for 4 you hold for 7 seconds and you release for 8 seconds and after a few times of that I feel so much better, <laughs> um, but yeah, so harnessing breathing techniques and practicing mindfulness are going to be the great, great coping techniques to get you from the red into the green zone. Now, okay, so what happens if we're, we've dealt with chronic stress, we've dealt with chronic trauma, um, maybe trauma even just in general, grief, whatever you want to say, and now we're in this blue zone, okay? How do we move from dissociation, numbness, hopelessness, helplessness, when we don't even have the mobility, we're immobile at this point, how do we go back to this green zone? And it's gonna be the last thing that you wanna do, but it's all about movement, or what I I like to say behavioral activation. So the first half of it is movement, right? So this could be going for a workout, Go walking in the sun, going on a hike, doing something. It doesn't even have to be outside. It could just be moving your body in some way. So especially if I'm trying to conserve my energy, I am going to want to stay in bed all day. Like, (laughs) if I'm tired and I'm depleted, yes, it's helpful to a certain extent. And you can kind of gauge, you know, if this is just one day where I'm like, I just need a rest to the days where I... Have no motivation. I have not been wanting to get up. I don't want to do anything. That numbness feeling, you will know the difference. So if you're in this state, I want I really want movement of some sort. That's what I could recommend. So whether it is going to the gym, that's my personal favorite, going on a run, going on a walk. Um, even doing something around your house. Maybe it's cleaning your house, moving your body, standing up. Um, maybe it's dancing, right? That's movement. It could literally be any type of movement with your body that you are able to do. That is going to be one of the most helpful things and most immediate things to get you from the blue, from the red, and back into the green social engagement zone. So, this was a huge theory and I know I probably went through it super quickly. Um, so I recommend, you know, taking some time. There's a bunch of the diagrams on Google. I'm looking at one on Facebook right now that you can go look at. Um, I post about it all the time. <laughs> so definitely go check it out. Again, it's called Polyvagal Theory. It's by Dr. Stephen Porges. Um, If you have any questions more about this, definitely let me know. Um, You have my Gmail. If you don't, you can DM me on uh, the Holistic Healing Instagram or you can comment on the episode. There should be a question and answers and polls that you can take. But yeah, this is polyvagal theory. This is, I think, one of the most helpful lenses, theories that I use every single day with, within my clinical work and how I help clients, really. So now you have my tools. Now you can become a counselor, uh, therapist too. <laughs> um, but yeah, let me know if you have any other questions. But thank you all for joining today. Thank you all for listening. I hope this was helpful. I was waiting to actually do this episode about polyvagal theory for a while because I I really wanted to do it justice. And again, I I can't express enough how how influential and how revolutionary this theory has been for me personally. And I know so many other clinicians out there once they learn it. Um, So, like I said, if you have any other questions, let me know. If not, thank you all for joining for a Holistic Tips episode each month. And I will talk to you all soon, next month enjoy the rest of your day. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, Amazon Music's new, uh, thank you all. Definitely check out the question and polls, but I hope to talk to you all soon and reach out if you have any recommendations or things you want me to talk about. All right. Talk to you all soon. Bye.